Well, good morning, church family. It is so glad to see you this morning. It's one of my favorite things to get to do. Announcements are not my favorite thing to get to do, but I am glad to get to do them today uh, because there's lots of things to get to share with you. If you are a guest with us, uh, we are especially glad that you are with us. If you could do us a favor and kind of give us a record of your attendance, you could do that by uh, filling out one. slash guest card and uh, fill out an online guest card there that we could have that record of your attendance. We would love to do that. If you want to know some of what I'm about to tell you and yet downloaded the digital bulletin, make sure you do that. Do what it says up there, meaning uh, like uh, Text the number to, to us, and we will get that to you. You'll, it'll come in your, uh, to your phone in a text, usually on Saturday night. hope that you get that each week. It, it really does. The, the stuff that we that kind of stuff, it becomes available to you, uh, and, and you're able to keep up with all the life and happening. things, you can get one of these February events cards. They are out on the table right out here. I've got props today. I feel like I got all these things to show you because there is a lot going on in February. Uh, but before we get to February, we're going to be uh, tonight gathered back together uh, for our family meeting. And I think that family meetings, uh, the family what I'm asking for you is to make tonight a priority for you. Uh, Sunday nights uh, for the next several weeks, I would just say uh, should be high on your priority list. But tonight in particular, uh, as we as a family have some, some things to discuss, some things to celebrate about what God has been doing and what we trust he will do for us in the future. of the world that, it, that we have sent out to make disciples. And so uh, we, we believe that, but we also believe that the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest. And so we believe that we want to kind of draw our attention to the work of loving our community. So through the month of February, often considered kind of the month of love for us, uh, we want to love our community well. And so uh, on the We Send uh, desk table right out by the door, there is one of these. And it's 28 ways to love our community. So uh, there are 28 days in the month. And so these are creative ways for you to consider how to love uh, our community well. And so make sure pick one of those up and you do that. This is not one of those things that like we're organizing all of the different ways for you to love our community. This is for you to live out what you believe about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you live that out in your neighborhoods, your coworkers. And through your lives. Sometimes we get into conversation 
Christians when we have those opportunities to invest in others. And uh, they ask us tough questions. Um, and so in the month of February, we're going to be spending our Sunday nights, I mentioned that a little while ago, uh, really discussing some of those hard topics. engaging with people, uh, sharing the gospel, investing your life into them, we know that there are difficult questions that come about. And so we want to point uh, us all back to scripture and what God has to say about some of those difficult topics. So make sure you're a part of that. All that comes with it. I think about everything from the hugs, That is happening even right now. I think about singing songs. Uh, as you can imagine, I certainly think about preaching sermons, all of that kind of stuff uh, as a response to what God has done for us. That's part of why we gather. But I also think about giving and how it is our like privilege and responsibility to be able to give back to the Lord some of what he has given to us. And so I want to encourage you to, to see that as an act of worship, even today, that you would give. There are all the giving options are available. Right over here, that you could place your offering in as you consider that an act of worship. We, we want to be a church that fixes our eyes on the truth of God's word. We want everything we do, every, every uh, decision. So even as we begin our time of, of worship this morning, we want to turn our eyes to God's word. So why don't we stand together and we will read God's word together. Give me life in your ways. Psalm 119, 37. Let's join together as we praise our King. Good morning, church. Let's worship.
Psalm 117, there aren't many uh, psalms that are easy to memorize, but this might be one that we can get. It's just two verses, and it, uh, it says, uh, Praise the Lord, all nations, extol him, all peoples, for great is his steadfast love to endures forever. Praise the Lord. That's it. That's the call that we're given. Uh, this morning, we call ourselves to worship each and every week. This attention to the one who is faithful. His faithfulness, other psalms tell us, endure throughout all generations. There's this never-ending, unbroken faithfulness of the Lord that we see from beginning until the end. There's a love that we've all surely experienced, those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And next hour, we actually get to celebrate with a brother in Christ, one of our members of our Spanish life group, as he comes to be baptized. He's saying, I was dead, now I'm alive. And that's what we all gather to do here, isn't it? Yeah, so... So as we continue to sing, let's, uh, let's come to the Lord now. And, and you can open your hands up. You don't have to. But even if it's just a posture that we take in our hearts, let's come saying, God, we need you. We were a needy people, and you met our greatest need at the cross. Let's go to the one who, who meets those needs, the one who is faithful, the one who is loving. Let's continue.
Never did another thing for me. 
God is good. Amen. You know, you think about things that are happening in this world, maybe even circumstances in your own life, and we still can find comfort in the fact that God is good, right? Um, there's a book called uh, Red Sea Rules that, that I really like, and for anybody that may be going through some difficult circumstances, I highly recommend that book. It's a little book. You can read it pretty quickly, but it is impactful. And the first rule is when you find yourself in circumstances, the struggles of life, God may have you there for a reason. And today, our passage, Moses finds himself in difficult to the desert. So it goes from a palace to sleeping under the stars, basically. He's on the backside of nowhere. Circumstance he certainly didn't relish or find himself uh, wanting to be in. Yet, he's there. He's there because God is good, because God was preparing him, preparing him to rescue his people. So we can find comfort in the fact that no matter what, where we might find ourselves in our daily lives, that we can find comfort that God intends things for good for us, even for Moses. You know, Moses didn't want to be a shepherd, yet that's where he found himself. And God used it for good. God used it to rescue his people. So as we open God's word today, let's keep that in mind that even in circumstances that we find ourselves in, may we find the goodness of God. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful for your goodness. And Lord, we're thankful for the goodness of your word. And as we open that word today, Lord, we pray that you'll show that goodness to us. May we find comfort, Lord, in knowing that you are in control that everything that happens in this world, even to us, Lord, in circumstances we may not see the good. In your name we pray. Amen. If you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of Exodus Exodus chapter 2, Exodus just being the second book in the Bible, should be pretty easy to find, quick to find, and, uh, and maybe your marker is already there, like mine, from the last few weeks, we have kind of moving now into our study of Exodus, and um, I am, I am, I am enjoying the, the study that I'm getting to do in preparation and hoping that, that you will uh, gain and enjoy it as much as I do. Um, today we're going to be in the second half of chapter two. We'll get there in just a minute. If you remember kind of uh, the, I, I talked about this on the very first week that over the course of the next several months we'll be in the, the whole book of Exodus, but uh, kind of broken down in a few different mini-series within the, the big series, and so this one is this preparation for delivery, and uh, we're, we're not yet to the point where the people will be delivered or uh, brought to Exodus, right, brought to exit the uh, country of Egypt, and so we are, we are in that preparation stage. So if you think of uh, delivery and also like uh, giving birth, right? If you think about it this way, that um, we're not yet 
to the point of delivery, but we, we're, maybe we are simply building the crib, right? We, the, the crib has been built in the, uh, the baby room, and maybe there's a, uh, a bag packed by the door. We might not even be quite to that, but we're, we're getting close. There's certainly no contractions, no labor pains. Uh, we're just getting ready. You know what I'm talking about? Parents in the room, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, uh, we are going uh, a few things about Moses today that I think will be helpful for us, but what, what will be most impactful, I believe, most important for us is some things that we learn about God and how he worked then and what I believe most confidently that he still works today. So why don't we do this? Why don't we look to the text? So in Exodus when Moses had grown up, He went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, seeing no one. He struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? He answered, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. When they came, uh, when they came home to their father, Reuel, he said,
He thought about it. He, he actually took time, paused, looked left and right and thought, okay, no one's around. So I can do this. I'm, I'm a, I mean, like, I'm going to beat this guy. I'm tired of them beating my people. And I don't know how, how far he took that. I, don't, I mean, we, we can't imagine from the, the just few words he struck down the Egyptian. But here's what we know. He killed him. And we know he killed him because he buried him in the sand. I mean, now he's got to cover it up. Right? I, I, I've got to, if I'm Moses, I'm thinking I, I've got to, not only have I done this, but I don't need anybody else to know. I've already looked left and right and there was nobody around. Surely the guy who I just rescued isn't going to tell anybody. Moses, like in some ways, there, there's a part he is Hebrew, but right motive, but wrong action. Like, right? I mean, defending your people, good. Killing motive, wrong action. But here's what seems to have taken place. The man he defended did not keep his mouth shut because the next day he went out. Now I'm frustrated. Right? Yesterday, I walked out and there was a, an Egyptian and a Hebrew fighting. And so I'm mad at the Egyptian. But now, two Hebrews are fighting. How can you even do that? So he addresses them. Why do you even strike? He calls him your companion. This should be your teammate. This should be the guy on your side. Like, we're in this together. And that man answers back and says, who made you the prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? So word has spread. Now, word might have only spread to one other person, but I doubt it. Y'all know how that works, right? You don't, uh, secrets, secrets start spreading real fast. I mean, we, that, that's something we experience, right? He, so now, not only is, is word spreading among the Israelites, but it's spreading so much that Pharaoh finds out, right? Pharaoh hears of this. So Moses, he fled. He ran away. He doesn't just run away because the Israelites find out and he's ashamed of what he's he, when, when Verse 15, when Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. And uh, Pharaoh's track record, uh, apart from when the midwives step in, people when he wants them dead. Moses knows that. So Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. Says he, Sorry, says he sat down by a well. Notice, notice in that moment, this becomes important for later in our story. He is, 
He's stood up for one, even in his mind, with this right motive. He might have done a wrong thing, but in his mind, hey, I'm, I'm for you guys. And then the next day, they turn that against him. You're not really for us. You're not really one of us. So the Egyptians are saying, you're not one of us. We're about to murder you. The Hebrews are saying, you're not one of us, or you also would be enslaved. Get, like, get away from us. Who are you to print, be prince or judge over us? Someone else who was kind of like that, right? Because Jesus wasn't received by his people either. It wasn't because he had done wrong, though. This is why, even in the book of Hebrews, this is part of the reason we see Jesus as a true and better Moses. Hebrews chapter 3 says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly call, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house, for Jesus had been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. It's much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. Verse 5, now Moses was faithful in all God's house to testify to the things that were to be spoken. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. Hmm. So even when we try to make these comparisons between Moses and Jesus, let's always remember Jesus is better. Like over and over and over in Scripture and over through, throughout the ex. We'll find even when we get to the delivery, Jesus is a better deliverer. Jesus is a better like Moses over and over and over again. So Moses. is also growing in, in what I believe is just a, a matter of days time. Moses begins to, to shift, right? He's taken some right motive and taken. action. So he becomes a helper. He's sitting by this well and the priest of Midian who we find out later right? So same guy, just different name. Um, so, so Jethro, again we see him here. We won't see him again for months in our case. But uh, we won't see him till like Exodus 18 or something like that. Okay, so we'll, it'll be a little while. Um, but so he's got seven daughters and they are coming to draw water for the flock. And the, there's another group of shepherds that come in and are driving them away. They're like irritated at these ladies who are at the well. Why are you at the well? Uh, you're not supposed to be here. Probably that kind of idea. And we're going to get the water for our sheep. Uh, you don't get to get the water for yours. And so Moses stands up for them, saves them, and drives those men away. Now, here's why I would say that he takes a right action. Based on what he had done previously, he didn't murder anybody. Right? Like, this is a good step in the right direction. His anger, like, isn't fueled so much that he's slaying people. But he, is, he does have the right motive. Hey, these, he's defending these women. I don't know if you've noticed in Scripture that some really important things take place at a well. 
I mean, it's kind of like a thing. If you think about uh, even, even where certain couples met, Jacob and Rachel meet at a well. Now Moses and Zipporah, they meet at a well. But again, the, the famous Jesus and the woman at the well. So think about this. hearing some of Jesus' story, his, even his interaction with this woman at the well, and you recall the marriage connections that take place in the Old Testament. You, you remember those three that I just named, like these prominent figures who this man meets the woman. And what is it that, what's the conversation that Jesus is pointing to? Who are you married to, he asks. He knows good and well she's not married. She's had other husbands previously and that now she's living with someone that's not her husband. But he brings this up. You know what, you know what he's essentially doing when he says, I'm going to give you living water? Something that you will never have to thirst again? If you turn to me, he's saying, this is like a, a betrothal to the bridegroom. This is, this is not Jesus like the person offering to marry the woman at the well. This is Jesus the divine offering to bring this woman into the family. Singles in the room, I hope that you hear this, that Christ is sufficient for you. See, it's not bad for you to want a mate, want to find somebody. And it will be your satisfaction. He's offering. So Moses, yes, he, he does. He becomes a helper. This is a, a growth point for him. But there's another big shift that happens for him. Verse 18, I love this, right? They, they come back home, and he says, how have you made it back so quickly? I guess he was expecting them to have to put up a fight or, or to wait for all the other shepherds to get their water. and then. But, but Moses has moved them away, and so they say an Egyptian, right? Remember how I said Moses probably looked like an Egyptian? He was dressed in those delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. And Jethro is like, what? That, that Jethro, the father of seven women, is like, you're telling me that a man just stood up for all of y'all and all of y'all are expensive and you didn't bring him home situation right now. Go get him and bring him back. We're going to, we're like, we're, we're killing the fattened calf, right? Like we're celebrating. There's a guy out there that was a good man. Like go get him. Right? 
that kind of thing. So I, I don't know if that's exactly how it went, but essentially he is saying, go, go get him. Like we do, I want to say thank you to this guy. In fact, it isn't long, like there's just the next verse. Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses his daughter, Zipporah, right? This is, hey, like, this is good. This is a, a good thing. Moses, Moses is now no longer just having to have fled. He's found a new spot. He becomes a father, right? Verse 22, Zipporah, she gave birth to a son. He called his name Gershom. In fact, he says, I've been a sojourner in a foreign land. Like, I came here as, as like a passerby, like a homeless person, sojourner, one who really doesn't have a home, one who doesn't have a spot. So I, I've now come to this place, and now I've, I've got home. I've got family. And that's exactly what happened. He became a sojourner. I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. You see how these, these things are uh, like points of growth for him? He's no longer calling Egypt his home or the palace his house. I think I, I, we, in some ways he's saying like I was a sojourner, but in another way it's that he became like a homesteader. He's got a new spot. There's new family. This one that is his father-in-law, we see later, like he admires, listens to his advice, takes on, like he even asks for it wants to hear from Jethro in this way, certainly appreciates his wife. And now having a son, he's saying like, this is it. There's growth, there's, there's change in him. So, so he has changed from the first part of the chapter, right, as a, a baby being in a basket going down the Nile River. Now he's a grown man who was a murderer and fleeing from, for his life from Pharaoh. And now is a husband and a father and has, has got a family. Like this, is, this is the spot. Now all of that points in reality he doesn't stay the same. Ebbs and flows, highs and lows. In fact, we'll see that. There's times where Mo Moses gets it right and Moses like, speaks the truth when he's supposed to. And then there's sometimes when Moses, oh, he's just, like from the outside looking in, we can look at it and say, like, man, that was just not smart. <laughs> right? That was a terrible decision. Why did you do that? Now, I'm not saying I would have made a better decision in the moment, but, like, I like to think I would. But he, he changes. But here's what we're going to see in these last couple verses. That while Moses changes, God does not. See, God is faithful. God doesn't have to. It's still true of God now. Thousands of years. Outgrowth, he never changes. He's always the same. And that's good because he's perfect. 
right? He's holy, set apart in perfection. He's, he's not just like the same as though, um, like, you know, like can't teach an old dog new tricks. Not that kind of same. He doesn't need any new tricks. He's perfectly righteous, always good, always doing right, never failing, never doing wrong, never thinking wrong, never uh, considering a wrong action, always right. Let's start in verse 23, right? So after this all has taken place, the son is born now several, or at least a year or so later, we see that, that in these many days, the king of Egypt died. So Pharaoh, the one who was uh, chasing after him, essentially, he has died. And so there's a new Pharaoh. And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery. So they, this new Pharaoh, who will, the one that uh, we know of, who does letting up. On what maybe, maybe you think, maybe they were hoping that the death of that Pharaoh would bring about release, but it doesn't. And so they groan. They cry out for help. So they cry. I want you to underline this. And God heard. Maybe you just circle the word heard. He heard their groaning. I think about fast forwarding to, to Matthew when Jesus is talking about praying. And he says, when you pray, go to your room, shut the door. Pray to your father who is in secret. And the father who sees in secret will reward you. You know what, like when no one else can hear, that's what he's saying. Like when the door is shut and no one else is around. And As I was preparing, even re-looking at this again this week, I believe that some of us the Israelite people, and he is hearing your groanings now. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about like uh, you're whining and complaining. I'm talking about like, hey, this is heavy and hard. And what I'm going through in life, it stinks. Getting the news that you dread to hear. God hears you when you're sitting by the bedside of your family member the hospital, and you're asking why. God hears you. God hears you when you're standing on the side of the road next to a totaled vehicle after a car accident. God hears you when your parents are downstairs arguing louder than they think they are. God hears you when you're sitting on the edge of your bed wondering how you're going to explain your job loss to your wife. God hears you. really want to do well on that test? He hears you. He hears you. No matter how grand, how maybe insignificant you feel your prayer is, he hears you. 
like, listen to what, he, what else he does, though. Still in the same verse, still verse 24. Maybe this is another one for you to underli- or underline or circle. You, if you circle the word heard, also circle the word remembered. He remembered. What does he remember? God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. Now, why does remembering the covenant with three guys who, quite honestly, are very dead at this moment? Like, why is that helpful to them or to us even now? Why would it be significant for the listeners to know, the the people that were retelling this story over and over, to know that God remembered a promise that he made to three dead guys? Great. He made a promise to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So what? Well, like Jerry showed us just a couple weeks ago, these are the types of questions that we should be asking ourselves, asking the text to answer as we're studying God's word. So, so think about this. Like, what even was the covenant? Right? That covenant was repeated to both Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. But it started in Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, right, this is before his name became Abraham, but go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you, here's the promise, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That's a pretty big promise, isn't it? And when that's being made to Abram, he has zero descendants. None children. So he's hearing this, being told, hey, go somewhere that I'm going to tell you. means I haven't told you, but I need you to pack your things and be ready to go. Start walking. And he's saying, I'm going to make like your family a blessing to all people. If you're the people of Israel enslaved in Egypt, you don't feel like quite a blessing to all of the nations of the earth. Surely you don't. You don't even know if anybody knows of your plight. That's why you're groaning, complaining, rightfully so maybe even, to the Lord. But here's what he remembers. Catch this. Fast forward in Genesis to Genesis 15. And God, again, he's reminding Abram of the same covenant. So this is like round two, needed to tell Abram again. But here's what he offspring will be sojourners. <laughs> Listen, you will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants. They will be afflicted for 400 years. I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Hey, hardship's coming, but I'm going to be there and I'm going to get you out. So, can you imagine then how good it feels when you're crying out? Do you remember me, God? Do do you hear me? Are all my prayers just bouncing off the ceiling and coming right back? That this story being retold, oh no, God heard, God remembered his promise. Do you remember his promise? Then maybe the questions you start asking yourself, what what kind of promises has God made you? 
Because I can tell you that what he didn't promise you was that you would never be sick. That you would never grow old or be tired. You would never be weak. That you would never have a diagnosis. That you would never lose your job. That you would never have to live paycheck to paycheck. Those are none of the promises that are in Scripture. He does not promise health and wealth. That's not what he promises. Here's what he promises. I will never leave you nor forsake you. (laughs) I'll be right there with you. In fact, he says that nothing can snatch you, believer, child of God, nothing can snatch you out of the Father's hand. That's a promise. A promise that nothing will separate us, neither height nor depth, nor angels, nor principalities, nor rulers in this life or in the life to come. Nobody, nowhere, anywhere will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's a promise. And there's a promise, church, that for those of us who are in Christ, we will one day experience where a place where there is no weeping, there are no more tears, there is no more sorrow. And, and it will be as though night is like day because in the presence of God, he just is light all the time. He remembered And if he remembered the covenant with those guys, then we can trust that he remembers all of those promises that he made to us. We can trust. You can trust that what what you're crying out about, what you're groaning about, that he hears you, that he remembers you, that he remembers his promises. He's not just a promise maker. He is a promise keeper. And listen, listen. He he heard. He remembered. Look what else he did. It says that he saw. Verse 25, God saw, that's another word for you to circle. He saw the people of Israel. You see, he sees you, and and, and I need you to, to listen carefully. He likes what he made. Genesis tells us that. God made everything, and he looks out on his creation And he says, it was good. He liked it. The psalmist says that that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Hey, kids, listen listen carefully to this. I'm not asking you to color something. I just want you to, to perk your ears up and listen carefully. God made you just like you are. And he likes you that way. Boys and girls, God loves you the way you are. And and I want you to hear this as your pastor. I love you too. My love's not quite as good. But I promise, I love you just the way you were made. Your parents love you just the way you were made. Students, teenagers, college students in the room, listen up. God, God made you as a male or as a female, and he loves you just as you are. You are not male because you like monster trucks and hunting and sports. And you're not just as though you are not female because you like makeup or shopping. You are male or female because God fearfully and wonderfully made you as such. And he loves you like that. Remember, God saw what he made and what he made was good. As your pastor, uh, you need to hear me say this. 
we as your church love you. And, and I, as your pastor, I love you. And you are not alone. If you feel alone, you are not alone. In whatever hurts and whatever pains you are experiencing, you're not alone. Most importantly, more important than the church loving you or me loving you, God loves you. He sees you, and you are precious in his sight. Finally, last word for you to, to circle, and God knew. He knew. You know, that, it might seem like a, a small word, like, what does he know? <laughs> okay, if you just read those words, what, is, what does God know? Well, one, he knows it all. <laughs> so whatever, you are wondering if God knew, yes. knew what was coming. God is our deliverer. God is their deliverer, and he knew his plan. He knew exactly what was happening and exactly what needed to happen next. And in your story, in your He's not looking surprised at your uh, struggle. He's not wondering about how you're going to make it through. He's not curious if the doctor is going to be able to help you in just the right way or how your marriage is going to go. God knows every little moment of your life now and what is to come. He knows it all. He, he knew it from the very beginning. Psalm 22, yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you. He's the deliverer, Psalm 71. Upon you I've leaned from before my birth. You were the one who delivered me, took me from my mother's womb. Isaiah 66, shall I bring to the point of birth and not cause to bring forth? Over and over, this type of delivery type language. God is bringing, delivering the people. God is the, the midwife here. He's the one bringing forth. He knew that delivery needed to happen. He knew that Moses was going to lead. He knew that Israel would make it out. Spoiler alert. They, they get out. That's why it's called Exodus. They, they get out. You see, brings you there because when the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. You are set free for now and forever. You are delivered. You're rescued. You're saved. And you, listeners today, you can be saved like this. Salvation is offered to you because Jesus did pay a penalty for you. You see, like, we've messed all of this up. We're the ones that cause and bring a need for our salvation. As we looked at God, have chosen to disobey, disregard his law. So 
this punishment for But he sent his son, Jesus, this one who's the better Moses, to make a way for us that we might turn from our sin never failed, never did wrong, never chose wrong, never thought wrong. He died a death that we deserve to die. This is all we have to do. Our best. You can be delivered from your sin. And if that's you today, I, I plead with you. Would you call on Jesus for this? you trust in him? There's another group of us here today that are followers of Christ, believers. Maybe that's even why we've gathered, right? Because for those of us who are children of God, we want to be with the people of God. Sometimes and maybe, maybe we just needed to be reminded that God hears us when we cry. And maybe that reminder today will cause you to, to go back to your knees and cry. In a good way, right? In a, in a I need you. We sang that just a few minutes ago. I, I need you. You'll never leave me or forsake me. So I'm back again. I'm back again calling out to you because I, I need you again. I'm asking you, God, will you, will you see me in my hurt? Will you, will you look on me in my, my weakness? And will you be strength for me? God, I, I, there's, there's this situation. There's this relationship. There's this hardship. There's this uh, circumstance happening. And I, I need you. I know. I already know. Why you're here. Which is why sometimes when, when I go to the Lord and I, like I can't get the words out, I'm just uh, a bubbling mess. If that doesn't ever happen to you, you're not that cool. It, it happens, okay? And so you, you go before the Lord and like, you just can't get the words out. You know what he says? I know. I know what words you can't say. I know, I know what you can't get out right now, but I know. Isn't it good that we have that kind of God? It says, I've, I've set you free. I've delivered you, and I'm here. You need me, so I'm here. So here's what I'm asking for us this morning as we, as we respond in song. As, as we say, God, you... You have taken, you've conquered death and hell and the grave. You've done that for us. So God, we, we're just coming back and we're saying we, we need you again. Maybe your response, maybe it is that you come and you kneel at this altar. And, and maybe you're not a bubbling mess, but maybe you are. And that's okay. Maybe you just kneel and say, God, I, I need you. My, my life began when death was arrested, when you conquered the grave. 
was given new life. So now I can live in freedom and joy. The glory and give him all of yourself this morning. Stand with me as we praise.
That's good news, church. That's such good news for us. I, I think I just want to say this one more time. If, if there's still like wrestling, stirring in your heart and, and you, you need somebody to pray with you, uh, you're like a follower of Christ. You're a member here and you want someone to, to pray with you about something. There's, there's some folks right here who would love to just pray over you, pray with you. Maybe it is that you aren't yet a follower of Christ. You're saying, I, I want death to be arrested from me. I want what we just sang about. And so maybe you would make your way, as we kind of conclude, you would make your way here to, uh, to ask some more questions just about that very thing. So uh, whatever the case, oh, like don't leave here without without entrusting yourself to Jesus Christ. Believe on him. He is worth every everything that you think you'll be sacrificing. Uh, among us, maybe, that have requested membership, want to belong to Colonial Heights, and that is always a joy for us to get to see. And so uh, I want to uh, we'll put these names uh, on the screen, their picture on the screen for us to celebrate. So we have Rebecca and Adam Hamilton, Anna and Terry Hill, Piper Rhodes, and McKenna Rhodes, Spencer, April, Simon, and Sawyer Smith all requesting membership here. This all comes from the elders. And so uh, if, if you are a church member here and are affirming all of these into membership, would you raise your hand at this? You can put your hands down, all those opposed. Right, nobody wants to be that guy. So thankful that we affirm them. So we are delighted that they are with us and belong to us now. And so as a result, uh, we'll be hearing some of those names and uh, some other names uh, in our family meeting tonight. We might not hear these again, but uh, over the last three months, like who's, who's been a part of us? Who's belonging to us now? Make sure you're back with us tonight for the family meeting at five o'clock. And if you're on your way to Life Group, then uh, I pray that Life Group will go well. Love our community well. So let's pray together. Father God, you deserve our lives. You deserve for us to surrender to you. And it's so good to know that when, when we do just that, that you hear us, that you remember us, that you see us and love us as we are because you made us as we are. And God, that you know. You know what we need. So God, Use all of this to remind us this week that it is our task to make you known to all the earth. And to make your name known in all the earth. We pray.